The Lifestylist, episode 69, featuring Dr. John Bergman. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. The party jumping off in your ears right now is the Lifestylist Podcast. My name is Luke Story, and I live in a land called LukeStory.com. Feel free to go visit anytime. I'm here to bring you another life-changing, game-changing, thought-provoking episode with our guest, Dr. John Bergman, who's one of the top chiropractors in the whole damn world. So we're talking about the miraculous healings that he has been able to participate in through his many years of work as a chiropractor. It's quite outstanding what he does, and he's got followers and patients from all over the world. He's got a massive YouTube channel where he is spitting game on the regular, okay? So some of the things we cover in this episode are the failure of the current medical system and how it treats symptoms rather than root causes of disease, which is really what chiropractic is all about. It's not just about your back, it turns out. There's a lot more to it. So we talk about the true purpose of chiropractic care and how to avoid drugs and surgery as a solution. Why chiropractic has a negative connotation to some people and why there is no need to be afraid of being addicted to or injured by spinal adjustments. Then are herniated or slip discs actually real and can surgery fix them? How chiropractic can help babies and the elderly and the best way to get off pain medication and heal pain naturally. How the spine's health affects the health of the entire body. Turns out the spine's connected to your nervous system. Your nervous system is connected to everything, all your organs and all of that. So it's really interesting how some spinal injuries or issues can actually affect other areas of your body that are seemingly unrelated. And then finally, we talk about tons of natural cures for things like fibromyalgia, arthritis, and tons of other ailments through chiropractic adjustments. So it's a really fun, funny, engaging interview with with John, uh, but there's also a lot of deep science drop too. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. If you've got back pain or if you've had it, or if you know anyone with spinal issues and some of these other um, related ailments, please do yourself, me and them a favor by forwarding this episode so that you can share this information. Don't forget to tune in next Tuesday for number 70 with Aaron Alexander of the Align Podcast, where we talk about natural movement and biohacking your attitude. I will get back to you next week. Enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi. I discovered this product a few months ago and it has changed the game for me. Everybody knows that green juice is good for you, right? Here's the deal though. Couple disadvantages to your average cold pressed green juice. A, a lot of times it comes in plastic, not good. B, it's usually loaded with sugar up to 25 grams, which is basically like drinking a green Coca-Cola, not happening. Next is they go bad. You can't leave it sitting out and they're really bad for travel. So I love my green juice, that's cool, cold press, I get the sugar-free ones, I'm into it. But Organifi makes a green powdered superfood that comes in these little packets that are portable and you can take with you. So I keep them in my car and in my bag and on demand. Anytime I have a bottle of water, I can pour one of these in there and have an instant green juice. Alkalizing, energizing, gives you mental clarity. It's fantastic. It's loaded with 11 superfoods. A lot of the green powders 
not only taste gross and are overpriced, but they'll have like 200 ingredients. And I'm always thinking, how much of each ingredient is actually in there? Okay. These 11 superfoods are the important ones that you need, like turmeric, chlorella, wheatgrass, spirulina, mint, moringa, ashwagandha, lemon, beets, matcha green tea, and coconut water. And it's sweetened with monk fruit, so it's got a zero glycemic index. It's fantastic stuff. So if you want to check this drink out, work on your health in a way that actually tastes good and is super convenient, here's what you do. Go to Organifi.com, that's with an I, Organifi, Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and save 20% off your order. You guys know I always give you a hookup if I'm going to tell you about something cool that I discovered. So again, go to Organifi.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 20%. It's really good stuff. Our show today, folks, is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, one of my favorite companies in the world of medicinal mushrooms. So Four Sigmatic make these amazing little packets of herbal and superfood elixirs. They're delicious, they're super potent, very high quality herbs, and they're really, really easy to use. So they're a standalone drink. You can make them hot or cold. They come in a little packet. It's a powder. You stir it up, blend it, you're good to go. Or you can add it to an existing drink, like a bulletproof coffee, for example. If you caught my episode one and got the episode upgrade, or you happen to have seen it on YouTube, I make an amazing recipe called Supercharged Bulletproof Coffee, in which I use Four Sigmatic Herbs. So it's one of my favorite companies. I use their stuff all the time. I absolutely stand behind them. They are badass. What's even more badass is that I got you a little hookup, my friend. That's right. We got you covered with a 15% off coupon at foursigmatic.com. Go to the site, enter this code, the lifestylist, and you will save 15%. So go to foursigmatic.com, enter the code, the lifestylist, for a 15% discount. And if you'd like a recommendation on where to start once you get there, I would definitely get cracking on the Chaga and the Rishi blends. Those are two of my very favorite drinks. And Chaga is kind of difficult to make on your own. And when you boil it like I do, you really only get the water extraction and not the fat-soluble extraction in which you would have to use alcohol. So they use a dual extraction, which you're going to hear about in episode eight with Taro Isacalpula, the co-founder of the company. So enjoy your medicinal mushrooms, stay healthy, stay strong, stay well, enjoy the lifestyle. Dr. Bergman was propelled into chiropractic by a severe auto accident with two broken legs, fractured skull, and sternum, along with several organ injuries. With great need and a passion for healing and regenerating, Dr. Bergman began studying the body's recovery process. Dr. Bergman obtained his degree in Doctor of Chiropractic at Cleveland Chiropractic College in Los Angeles, California. As a past instructor, Dr. Bergman has an extensive knowledge of human anatomy and human physiology that few can match. His practice has continued to grow, serving hundreds of families from all over the world, focusing on corrective and wellness care, and he's dedicated to pediatric development and adult health care. With his unique approach and direct experience of recovery from severe injury, many miraculous healing successes have been achieved through his work at Bergman Family Chiropractic in Huntington Beach, California. Here we are with Dr. John Bergman, one of the most renowned chiropractors in the world, and I'm super excited to be down here in your office. We have all of the plaques of your various degrees. We have some anatomy posters, like we are officially entering into the world of chiropractic, so welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, it's cool stuff. I know those of you that are listening to the podcast, 
you don't see the craziness going on here, but I'm recording it on video for a future YouTube video, of course, the audio for podcasts, and then we have it on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. <laughs> Poor John like walks in, he's like, uh, what's going on? This looks like the Starship Enterprise here. We have like a lot going on. But the main thing is really the audio because you know the podcast is really kind of the hub of all the information that I put out. And the purpose of the Lifestylist podcast is to help alleviate suffering of any kind as much as possible for mankind. Having been one that suffered a lot mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, found a lot of people like you to help me work through those things. I like to share amazing genius minds like you with the world. So thank you so much for joining me. God, I love that buildup. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I've done this a couple of times. Now, I've only been doing the show for, well, this will probably come out around my year anniversary. Oh, neato. Yeah, and we're up to almost half a million downloads at this point, so. It's going well. So you're going to have a lot of ears. And I know your YouTube channel is extremely popular. I mean, some of your videos have like over 100,000, couple hundred thousand views, I think. Yeah. So like, yeah, we're going to be putting some good stuff People are hungry for this information. Well, yeah, because it's frustrating going to your allopathic Western doctor and saying, hey, I have this symptom and having them go, cool, we have a drug for that or a surgery for that. And there's so many people that aren't even aware that there are other alternatives. And now that that awareness is growing, people are super hungry for it. So I want to start the interview by going back in time to your injury. I know a bit about your story because I've listened to you on tons of shows. I've watched a lot of your videos, but you were hit by a car, as I recall, pretty badly beat up, and then ended up going through the medical system, which did what they could with you, and that led you into chiropractic. So what's the story? Yeah, it was, um, it was really a wake-up call. I was a contractor. I had a cabinet shop, you know, just regular old Joe. I was jaywalking, okay, hit by a car. The car was only going like 25, 30 miles an hour. So it broke my legs, uh, fractured my sternum, bruised my heart, my organs, fractured my skull. And so it, it hurt. And, <laughs> yeah, I bet. and so going, going through, because I had a number of operations done on my legs or on my knees, and Every time they did an operation, first couple operations felt good, but after that, it started to feel unstable. And the medical doctors were saying, well, you know, a couple more operations, we'll give you some medications, you'll be comfortable, and eventually you'll have to have knee replacements. And the chiropractor I was going to, because I had just installed, uh, a week before I was hit, I installed an x-ray lab for a chiropractor. And he as a contractor, as a contractor, oh, that's funny. And he said, uh, you know, no, your body's designed to heal, and you can regenerate these tissues. And he told me some common sense stuff. He says, "Do you ever cut yourself?" And I said, "Well, yeah. You know, does it heal?" Yeah, yeah. He said, "Your knees are the same way." And I thought that makes sense. And so it it was really tough to bend, kneel, you know, run baseboard, do the actual contracting stuff. So I went back to school. Turned out that I had a knack for anatomy and physiology, went back, got my doctorate, and it's it's been amazing. How many human bodies do you think you've cut open and looked Pro- into? Probably between, probably about three, four hundred. <laughs> oh my God, that's it, so it's, funny. Well, it's interesting because when you look at it on the parts, it's brilliant. And one one of the great philosophers, they said people are in a delusionary state. They think that eyes see stomachs digest ears here because a cadaver has the same they have eyes they have stomach they have ears so it's there's something different there's a life force and then that is philosophy 
And so if you couple anatomy, philosophy, physiology, you start to find out that disease doesn't really exist. Okay, at least 97% of it. And so approaching different medical diagnoses with a totally different perception and perspective on how the body responds to environmental stimulus, it's like taking the veil off. There's a whole different world out there that the body is self-healing and self-regulating. This is something that all doctors learn, okay, but they forget because it's such a multiple guest system where you're forced to answer these questions and study in this time frame that there's no critical thinking. Right. A lot of the stuff I talk about in the show is just based on nature and common sense, just because that's the way that I take in information best. So the fact that you talk about cutting your finger and then, I mean, if you could like time lapse that wound healing, it would just be like something out of a movie, right? Where oh, yeah. like the Terminator, when you shoot the Terminator, he's like, he just, you know, instantly molds back into his original form. That's really what your finger would look like with a cut. It would go, mm-hmm. you'd see the skin appear out of, where does the skin come from? You know, these are the laws of nature that are so fascinating. And I think that's why I've personally always been more attracted to the alternative healing world and sometimes even in the very woo-woo like energy medicine and stuff even that and then you have the more scientifically minded people that want (laughs) to see the you know that want to see the cold hard facts and the data and to me it's like that's cool but let's look at like what works how about that like what actually works so if i have a knee problem and i go get a knee replacement and get some metal or plastic or whatever they do like is am i actually healing and are the long-term effects of that going to be the desired effect or is it going to be a temporary measure and then later i'm going to have problems with it because the original underlying core cause of that has not been addressed yeah and you're you're using a couple of terms that people commonly use like alternative or evidence-based or science-based, and that's a delusionary concept <laughs> with most. That it, it's, it, if people think that the medical system today providing a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory like Advil, Motrin, Aleve for uh, joint discomfort, they think that because this is coming out of a medical system that's based in science. But if they actually knew that that non-steroidal anti-inflammatory inhibits proteoglycan production, which is a building block of cartilage, so it destroys the joint cartilage, it increases cardiac damage, okay, so we're talking cardiovascular damage, heart attacks, strokes, kidney disease, and it destroys the joint cartilage, how could that possibly be <laughs> that based in science? That doesn't sound very scientific, yeah. No, 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 the, the, there is no alternative. I'm, I'm, not, I'm for sure not alternative. I am definitely not complementary. I'm completely antagonistic because the body is self-healing and self-regulating. Any therapy that alters that is not based in science. And I had to come up with a new term because common sense doesn't exist. The way that I was taught common sense is, it's now uncommon sense. Right. Because a doctor would never do something that would harm the body and expect a positive outcome. Wow, that's good. That's a really interesting way to look at things. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I think too, is like, I always use the example of organic food versus conventional food. Mm-hmm. It's actually like, it's reversed. Like, or, <laughs> yes, organic <exactly>. food <laughs> is conventional, <laughs> conventional food. Yeah. I mean, it's like conventional food is food where there's dirt, a seed, water, and sun, <laughs> and a goddamn plant grows. Yeah. That's 
the mo- as conventional as it gets. That is. Whereas like now there's this special designation for natural food, which is called organic. Then there's this other type of food, which is conventional, which means like just on its face value that the conventional is like the right food to eat. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Food that's been sprayed with poison that's meant to kill biological organism like <laughs> weeds and <laughs> bugs, right? And fungus. So it's like, you're eating poison. That's what I always explain to people. They're like, oh, what's the big deal about eating organic? I'm like, you know, hey, sometimes I go out and eat some food that's not organic, whatever. You can't be a control freak because that's a whole other mm-hmm. set of problems emotionally where you get that, what's it called, orthorexia and like all that, which I'm sure I've been on the, the cusp of at times. But it's like, no, why would you eat food sprayed with poison? And if you have an ailment, if you could solve it by some natural means why would you ever take a drug that has such negative side effects it's so weird like i'll give someone that comes over say like an herb right a chinese herb reishi mushroom and they're like i don't know is it safe i need to see the studies <laughs> you know and i'm like um for thousands of years humans have been healing themselves with reishi mushrooms and you want to see the studies but you'll like take a prescription drug where the side effects are seizures death retardation <laughs> you know it's like whatever could possibly go wrong i mean a bottle of aspirin is like so much more dangerous than any herb on the planet, you know? So it's like, I just, it drives me crazy living in this other matrix than a lot of other people live. And I'm sure this is what you do on a daily basis is sort of indoctrinating people into a new thought paradigm of open-mindedness. Yeah, it's a total delusionary world when they think that everything that the doctor does is based in science. And in actual fact, between 15 and 20% of the decisions based that a doctor will give are based in science. And even that's not accurate. British Medical Journal did a study on how there have never been, ever, a double-blind placebo-controlled trial of a parachute. (laughs) <laughs> and, and they did it as a parody because how many people will try, you know, five different parachutes and then, you know, two of them aren't really parachutes, okay? And then let's jump out of a plane and see if it really works. So case studies or, and it was a parody, but it was saying that, that what we hold has, based in science, isn't really accurate, okay? And the their case studies like ancient herbs, Ayurvedic, ancient therapies like uh, acupuncture, even ancient studies as bone setters, which I mean, we're talking my field, chiropractic, the first manipulation of an osseous structure to affect health was 2700 BC. I mean, heck, even Hippocrates said when confronted with disease, look to the spine. So wow, these are really? These are I've never ancient, heard that. ancient cool. healing arts that allow the body to express its natural state, which is health. Right. And that's just, let's just say that's also just recorded history, right? I mean, we have no idea if we're a couple thousand, a couple hundred thousand years old in our current form. Like, we don't know what kind of body work was done, what sort of manipulation to the spine and God knows what herbs and plant medicines and things we've been up to for mm-hmm. prehistory, which there really is no prehistory. <laughs> you know, it's like there's no such thing. There's like when we think we know something <laughs> history, right? Like we yep. really don't know a lot. I have some sort of inherent like uh, disdain for people that are so like obsessed with science because I don't like narrow mindedness. I like open mindedness. But there's that fine line of being gullible and like do 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 do. I mean, I've fallen for a lot of fake snake oil herbs and supplements and energy healings and all this stuff over the years, but I'm willing to try. And then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I I try something else that does work, you know, but it's, um, it's funny how so many people latch onto ideas that actually are not true. 
<laughs> you know, it's like unplugging from the matrix. It is. Okay, so let's get into a bit of the chiropractic work specifically, because I'm someone that's had a lot of back pain throughout my life for about 15 years now. I'm going to get my ass in here and do your protocol like very soon because I came for one consultation and it's, I kept those x-rays and it's been like, be like two years now. And I'm like, I got to get back down here, but it's a bit of a commitment time wise and stuff like that, that I have to be ready for. But give us an overview of what chiropractic care looks like. One of the best ways is to start it with it's not. Okay, cool. We're not back pain, neck pain doctors. Never have been, never will be. That was settled by a group of... Interesting, okay. It was settled by a group of prostitutes in the 80s um, that chiropractic could be accepted by insurance, has not as a distinct separate drugless healing art, okay, that works with the nervous system. But if you can, um, you know, relegate your, your entire therapies to uncomplicated neck pain and back pain, then you can get reimbursed by insurance. And so a lot of people thought, wow, this is our, our step into the system to where we could reimburse for insurance, ah. when it never was. I mean, the first modern adjustment was in 1895 for deafness. Um, the, the, my philosophy instructor, when I was in school, and we're talking you know, 25 years ago, his grandmother was the first woman chiropractor, and she was uh, in for the sugar disease, okay, which at the time it was called di- wasn't called diabetes, but she was going to die. They were going to amputate her legs. Wow. And she went to this healer called a chiropractor, and sure enough, within a few weeks, blood returned to her legs. She found out she wasn't going to die, and she became one of the first women chiropractors. So it was never for back pain, neck pain. That's so interesting. So it has a lot to do with the insurance. Because I remember when I first got like insurance through the entertainment industry, when I worked in Hollywood doing that stuff, union insurance, um, there was like the really good insurance would cover so many chiropractic visits and so many acupuncture visits. Mm -hmm. And then if you downgraded your insurance, those would go away. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Which is like the stuff that works, which is so frustrating (laughs) about having insurance. That's what always drives me crazy. So that's interesting. So it's actually the the first misconception about what it's not is that it's for... Yeah, okay. Yeah, a chiropractor is a nervous system doctor. It's not a muscle doctor, not a bone doctor. Okay, That, that doesn't make any sense. Because if somebody says, oh, yeah, I got a muscle spasm, really, is it, what's the fault of that muscle? What controls the muscle? Well, I mean, if you look at either side of the spine, those are called postural muscles. You don't even have conscious control of those. So those are going to increase in tone under what's called proprioception or your body's position in space. Like a good example, okay, when I was teaching human dissection. Uh, I would have, you know, a dissected body. So you there, actually taught students. the dissection of oh, bodies yeah, yeah, too? Oh, okay. yeah, which was a blast. Because then when I wasn't at school full-time, I'd guest lecture. Oh, and okay. I guest lectured for years. Wow. And I would pick, um, you know, so I'd, I'd come in there and, you know, I had a reputation. And, and the students were around and I said, okay, tell me, what's the connection between the hand and the eye? And, you know, here's a dead body, students around, you know, they're all shaking like a chihuahua, you know, thinking, please don't pick me. So I'd pick a guy with light-colored eyes, and I'd pinch between the thumb and the index finger, and I'd cause him pain. Now I said, watch this, one, two, three, and I'd squeeze, pupils would dilate. What? And, and so I said, okay, what just happened? And, you know, pupillary dilation, it all has to do with the automatic or autonomic nervous system, which is in two parts. One part keeps you alive under stress. It's called the uh, sympathetics. That's the fight or flight. 
Now, if you're being chased by a tiger, you want more information coming into your eyes so the pupils are going to dilate under physical, chemical, or emotional stress load. The other half of that autonomic nervous system is rest, digest, and repair, the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, these are structures actually housed in the body. I can, I can literally take, take the skin off, bones off of a person, and I can hold the sympathetic nervous system. I could show you the origins and pick up nerves that are the parasympathetic. So these are actual structures. Now, under this fight or flight influence, the sympathetic dominance, what I did when I squeezed that man's hand, then I asked them, I said, okay, what was blood supply to the gut like now? And Because when you're in that stress area, blood supply to the gut, nerve supply to the gut shuts down. Because digestion is metabolically expensive and you're trying to keep alive. Right. So that right. means the, the liver also breaks down glycogen to glucose. So blood sugar goes up, heart rate goes up, immune system is suppressed, cortisol is increased, adrenaline increases, serotonin and dopamine are suppressed. I mean, a radical thing on this. Wow. So does the blood does the blood enter into your extremities so that you can like protect yourself with your fist and run with your legs and so so it's like all your blood basically goes away from your organs away from your organs interesting and that's why the chiropractors are nervous system doctors so we can actually alter the autonomic nervous system so we can affect hormone production kidney function liver function, you know, postural disorders. I mean, all of that. That's that's what a real chiropractor does. Okay, so there's a couple of misconceptions, I think, about chiropractic. And, and I think it comes from some people perhaps getting work done by chiropractors that are maybe, I won't say they lack integrity, but maybe just lack competence, right? So I, like, for example, I was once adjusted by a chiropractor. I don't know. I just found him on the internet or something. Or maybe it was Yellow Pages at that time. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And I went in and they did like a, an adjustment to my neck. And then my neck was like a million times worse. That didn't stop me. I just vetted my mm-hmm. chiropractors better. I asked for recommendations rather than just randomly picking one. But I hear a lot of people that are afraid of getting cracked like when they hear that <laughs> when they hear that popping sound they think that that's their bone breaking or if they're already mm-hmm. in pain that it's going to cause them more pain what's up with the like the actual adjustments and why people should not be afraid of that and how to like how do they vet a chiropractor that won't hurt them uh we actually because we get phone calls from all around the world every day and we have a list of seven questions to find a good <laughs> okay, corrective right. chiropractor okay and honestly you get somebody that says yes to five of them you got a good guy and it's basically, do you have an objective analysis of why you're doing an adjustment? So an x-ray analysis is good. That's an object. It's, it's something that says, yeah, man, this is what I found, and we're going to correct this. We also, at, at our office, we do heart rate variability, rolling thermal scan, surface electromography. We have a number of different objective analysis that we do to find out if there's a dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system. Second, do they do post-test to say that they fixed the problem. Now, that's the big leagues, okay? Right. Yeah, we're going to do a second x-ray or a second scan to document that we're actually fixing the problem. Okay, and then, you know, the, the other questions are like, do you work on post-surgery cases? Can you reverse arthritis? I mean, it, it, you know, a bunch of the standard stuff. Because what they're teaching in schools now, in chiropractic colleges, is not that we're distinct, separate healing art doctors of the nervous system. This is now the next generation that's trying to suckle at the tit of the insurance companies. So they're going to do a massage or ultrasound or all these different therapies. And 
that's not chiropractic. I mean, if you see chiropractic slash massage, those are two separate things. Right. A chiropractor doesn't do massage. Right. You know, we look at, we work solely with the nervous system. Right. I, I love the idea, and I think this goes to the, the pragmatic scientific mind, is that I want to see an x-ray before, <laughs> let a doctor do their thing, and then show me the x-ray after. Yeah. You know, that's like, there's your sort of scientific proof. But more than anything, it's like, do I feel better? And of other problems like digestive problems, inflammation, other seemingly unrelated things that are related to the spine and the nerve health, have those been positively affected? Yeah. So what is people's paranoia about that actual sound? Like when you adjust someone, what is that sound and why are people so uh, freaked out about that? Uh, well, why they're freaked out about it is for martial arts movies. <laughs> okay, I love totally. that, man. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's I, funny, dude. It's a blast. Okay. What, right. what, the, what it is, it's just pressure building up at the joints and pressure releasing. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's why- Pressure yeah, of blood or air no, or it's, what? No, it's actually the joints. There's joints of the spine called facet joints. Okay. And they're just joints like your knuckle joints or anything else. So if you can cavitate right. them or pop them like right. someone cracking their okay. knuckles. We're doing that now, folks it's listening. Just, it's just distracting the joint and pressure is released. Okay. And okay. that's exactly what it is. What's wild is the closer to normal we get you, the less pressure there is. Right. The further out or misaligned your body is, the greater the pressure is built up at the joints. So it's just pressure releasing. Interesting. I, I love the thing with karate moves because that's true. Like the ninja goes up behind someone and like snaps their neck and you hear this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, you hear their neck break and then they die. So I think that probably is actually not far from the truth. It's well, like. Well, I had. Well, he's still a patient. He's in Texas. He only comes out a couple times a year. Special Forces, four tours of duty in Vietnam. He was in a Cambodian prison camp. So this guy is really, really tough. Shot in the kidneys. I'm, so I ask him, do they ever teach you a move? You know, like they show in the way. They say, no, it'd be impossible to hurt someone like that. For one, you need to have one person hold the body. You'd have to have another person grab the head and walk around the body because the neck is ridiculously strong. Wow. So you can't actually just come up and go... And no, snap it's somebody's impossible. neck and kill them. That is interesting. And this yeah. is coming from a bad, a warrior, like yeah, a true oh, human th warrior. This guy knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Then the next thing is, in my experience getting adjusted, I'll have a, a symptom. Like I always have like sacrum lower back pain. It's been years. I've done a lot of different stuff. It's improved a lot. I eat an anti-inflammatory diet. That alone helped a lot. I'm sure there's some misalignment. But I'll have a thing where I'm like, okay, I can't take this pain. I'm going to go get adjusted. I get adjusted and then... I'm good for a few days, and I notice like I, it must be this nervous system thing. I'm happier, and it has a psychological effect. I'm like, God, that's weird. I didn't even know my back pain was affecting me so much emotionally. So I'll feel really good, and then I stop going, right? Because I'm like, I'm okay now, and then it builds back up, and it starts hurting again, then I go. And so most chiropractors I've visited, they recommend, okay, so you need to come in three days a week and keep getting adjustments until we really get you stable, and then you just do it sort of supplementally. And I think the based on the feedback I've gotten from people when I discuss chiropractic care is they think they're going to, quote unquote, get addicted to being adjusted where they're like <laughs> dependent on their chiropractor the rest of their life. And so they don't want to do the first treatment because they don't want to become dependent on having to get adjustments. So yep. what's up with the frequency of adjustments and <laughs> the concept of like getting addicted to having your spine adjusted? These, this is brilliant, man. You're getting all the questions that people have. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's true. Uh, what I tell people is, it, it for sure, one thing, it's not addictive. What you do, it's kind of like eating healthy yeah. for 30 days. You're not going to go back to eating the French fries. Yeah. Okay, if you learn 
patterns and techniques to achieve REM state of sleep, okay, and we teach sleep restrictive therapy to initiate healing, you're never going to go back to the old days of staying up all night and inconsistent sleep patterns. If you get used to brushing your teeth, it feels so gosh darn good, you're going to keep doing it. And the trick is, how do you maintain the balance of the chiropractic adjustments with the physical, chemical, or emotional stress load? And what, what I'll tell people, if you're the vegetarian yoga instructor who's independently wealthy and you have a great relationship, okay, granted, fantasy, okay, this is no physical, chemical, or emotional stress load. You'll probably see me three or four times a year to maintain the health of your nervous system. If you're a mixed martial artist, okay, and we've achieved the maximum correction in your spine, you're going to see me once a week the rest of your career, okay? So most people are, in, right. and, it, and it's based on your physical chemical and emotional stress load if you have high of those three your frequency of visits will need to be high right that's why we use the objective analysis of if not a post x-ray at least nerve scans to check the autonomic nervous system to make sure that your health is the optimal that it can be right that totally makes sense so in your protocol at least when i was diagnosed a couple years ago like i said the protocol involved getting, I think it was 90 adjustments over the course of three months or so. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's like I could come down on a Wednesday and get adjusted three times during that one day, mm -hmm. once a week. Was that, is that like? Uh, yeah, but typically it's going to be because we have, like for local people and yeah. anywhere within three to four hours of our office is local, uh, we'll see them three times a day to three times a week. Okay. And then after 30, 35 adjustments, we do a second x-ray. Right. And so this is to, or a second scan, depending on what condition they have, right. to document the physiologic and structural changes that we're doing. As long as we're showing changes on that, then the frequency is reduced. And in international patients, we see them three times a day. So we're getting, you know, 15 adjustments per week and we'll get structural changes. Okay. Here's, yeah. Weeks. So here, here's the other piece of that. And, you know, I just, I've watched your work enough. I've met you. I think that you're a guy that really likes to help people. I really believe your heart is true. I think you probably could have retired by now based on the freaking waiting list. I mean, I called the other day and your waiting list, it's now um, March and you're waiting to get an appointment right now, folks. You have to wait until September. Yeah. So I don't think you're a guy who's like money hungry and your services here are actually relatively inexpensive. Yeah. And so... I think, <laughs> I mean, seriously. We, we were yelled at by this one Saudi Arabian gal. Why don't you charge more? It took yeah. me four months to come in. You know, yeah, and it, was yeah. like, it was like, oh, right. Charge more yeah, so yeah. you can like make the waiting list shorter, yeah. right? And yeah. the rich people can get in. So I, I believe in my heart that your motive is not money. And not that there's anything wrong with having money be your motive. If I owned JP Morgan, my motive would be making money. So that's great. And I love that. But I think a lot of people are scared too of chiropractic because they think, if the recommendation is, oh, you know what, your back's really bad or your nervous system's really bad, you need to be coming in three times a week or three adjustments. A lot of people perceive that to be, oh, they're trying to milk me for 150 <laughs> bucks time after time after time. Mm. Whereas I, I get the feeling that your thing is like, let's heal you as fast as possible. And so you don't have to come in. Oh, yeah. So that it's an ad as needed basis because you're not short on customers or patients. Yeah. You know what I mean? So have you heard that where oh, people yeah. are like, oh, you're just trying to make more money. That's why you want me to come in more often. I've heard that with other offices, but, yeah. but with ours, we actually have an idea based on an objective analysis on how you're doing. So I never right. ask how you feel. 
Right. Because that's pretty foolish. You've got a 10% awareness of your body and your physiology. So if I said, how do you feel? Oh, great. I feel fantastic. So you go, you play golf all day Sunday, you die of a heart attack Monday. Were you good? Right. No. Okay. So, so we base it on, on objective analysis, x-ray, something. So we're, your feelings are out of the picture. The neat thing is like blood pressure, typically, if you're diagnosed with high blood pressure, normalizes in about two weeks. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, we're talking cholesterol levels, you're talking about a month. If type 2 diabetes, you're looking at a month and a half, you know, in the ballpark. And the, these are average results. And those, again, those are all objective analysis. I mean, if you're taking blood pressure correctly and it's too low, then the medications that you're taking are not appropriate for you. If, right. if you're checking your blood sugar and it's normal, then obviously, you know, the metformin, glucophage, whatever you're taking isn't appropriate for you. So we have to set up a dialogue with the doctor that is uh, chemically managing your system, okay, which is foolish, okay, to start to change those medications. Right. So, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, sick people need drugs. Right. They do. Right. But, you know, as right. we get the bodies healthy, if they're still taking the same drugs... So let's go on to the topic of drugs then, because that's something I wanted to cover. I myself, I'm sober. I used to be addicted to opiates and all kinds of other stuff 20 years ago, right? So there's been times where my back pain and other pain has made it necessary to take pain meds like Vicodin or something like that. But I'm so paranoid about like tipping that, <laughs> you know, waking up the werewolf uh -huh. within me because I know it exists still based on past experience. So I've never been like addicted to pain meds. I've used them very sparingly and only in emergency situations. But there are other people who have become perhaps physically addicted to pain meds that aren't even a drug addict. They're not doing it to party. You know, it's not like a fun thing for them to be on Oxycontin or Vicodin or whatever. Um, how do you deal with people when you start to treat them and they're physically dependent on the drugs? And this pain, is... Pain meds specifically. Oh, it, pain meds, it's, it's one of the most frustrating things. And what you have to communicate to the patient because what, what people are thinking a lot of times is when they're taking that drug, that drug is keeping them healthy or keeping them functional or keeping them alive. Okay, so they have to take a different concept because every drug out there, whether everything it's prescribed for, it will cause. If wow. you look at the side effect of a muscle relaxant, the side effect like is muscle soma spasm. or something like that? Yeah, soma, baclofen, I mean, all, all of those things. They're, they're going to cause muscle spasms. Pain relievers increase pain sensitivity. Okay, you're, you're looking at antidepressants cause suicide and depression. Sleep medications cause fatigue and anxiety. <laughs> it you're really is like the at, matrix, you, like everything is backwards. It, it is backwards. And oh everything builds up to a toxic effect in the body. It, it's like I was just looking at this one study on Purkinje cells, which are cells in the brain that are negatively affected by neurotoxins. And they're using this anti-seizure medication, and they find out that after the person's been on it for one year, then two years, then three years, the longer a person's taken a medication, the more damage and destruction inside of the brain. So when someone says, hey, look, I've been taking cholesterol medications for years and I'm fine, really, are you? Well, yeah, now my doctor says I'm pre-diabetic and my blood pressure's gone up and I'm getting forgetful and all my joints are sore, but I'm fine. 
Wow. My cholesterol levels are perfect. Right. So, right, so right. When, when, when you talk. It's like a distraction, right? <laughs> it's like, cool, your cholesterol numbers are good, but yeah. there's 50 other things that have been in decline since you began that medication. So this is the conversation that I teach my doctors, yeah. okay, and that I tell my patients. I say, buddy, sick people need drugs. Yeah. Okay? The problem is if I gave the same drugs you're taking to a person that's healthy, what happens to them? They get sick. That's exactly hundred percent of the time. Yeah, okay. no one gets that question wrong. <laughs> they they yeah, always yeah. get it. And then yeah. another hundred percent of the time, and it's weird to have a set of conversations, okay, with a person, and have the same exact response a hundred times out of hundred. You get somebody in taking, you know, more than one drug, okay, yeah. and it could be antidepressants, muscle relaxants, sleep medications, the usual. Okay, if you and me were on a beach. Okay, we were stuck in a desert island. You had fresh fruit, fresh fish, fresh spring water. You had to walk in the sand every day, but there was no access to your pharmaceuticals. Would your health improve or decline? 100% of the people say, well, improve. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's, it's, it's almost like they'll shake their head, they'll look around, and they'll say, my God, I just woke up. You mean if I do a lifestyle change, my body won't require the pharmaceuticals, and then I won't have the... Yeah. yeah. And so what we do is we walk them through opiates in particular and and buddy i'm with you on the whole opiate addiction when i had my legs broken i'm in the hospital okay so you literally had both care. your legs broken both my oh legs my broken God. sternum fractured i'm in this hospital bed and finally they gave me morphine good stuff what a high <laughs> yeah i asked the nurse out i felt so good i thought yeah. god i'm gonna <laughs> get asked, out of here pretty you got, soon like, liquid courage Yo, like, hey, like you can't babe. believe you know bleeding from my skull and everything and the second shot I think I needed, the third shot, I lied. I right. lied. I wow. said, no, man, I, I, I really want it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I think it's still hurting. Um, yeah, I never got a fourth shot ever, wow. ever, ever Do since you, are then. Are you someone just curious that has a propensity toward addictive behavior, obsessive, compulsive? Obsessive, compulsive, yeah, for okay. sure. Yeah, man, I need some drugs for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, because I've, no, I've noticed like some, you know, I've known people that, like I said, have become physically dependent on pain meds but they really don't do it recreationally at all. And I always look at that. I'm like, from my background, if you give me a bottle of pills, if I wasn't, you know, making an effort to be sober and like live a clean life and all that. And the doctor's like, take one of these a day. I'll take 10 a day. Like I'll just start liking that feeling, you know? So did you ever have a situation where you felt you were getting addicted or like, like other than that time where you want a little extra and stuff? Oh no, that is that time in the hospital. Okay. Okay. I see. Because growing up when I was a kid, I mean, we had, you know, I was the youngest of four kids in the 60s, and there was a lot of drugs. Oh, were you in California? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, in yeah. Burbank. So there was like oh, a yeah. ton of drugs. Yeah. And 60s, I, Burbank, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched a cut, one guy shoot up. I actually helped him hold the needle when I was, I think, like seven or eight. Wow. You know, I saw one guy trip out on heroin, and he was, yeah. it was weird because I was about 10, 11 at the time, and he yeah. was screaming. His face was melting. So if you want like a good anti-drug ad yeah a childhood like that is really cool right, right. you're not going to be wanting to do a lot of drugs right. so that had the yeah well that had the, the so psychologically for you the i mean the sort of common sense reaction happened where you're like whoa that looks scary i'm going to stay away from that yeah. and not end up getting involved in that culture and going off the deep end in my experience i saw also i would must have been i was probably 12 and i saw someone shoot up 
cocaine and they immediately threw up and acted really crazy and i was like i gotta try that <laughs> you know it's like you know, <laughs> the opposite i was like that guy's got it figured out that throwing up looks really fun um and proceeded to pursue that so back to the question you get someone who's currently addicted to pain meds they think they need it or maybe they do because they have you know these spinal pain discs whatever what happens is they start to get adjustments and they begin to heal we have to get them off the drugs. Right. And first, it's education. So I'll show them all the data and list how opiates increase pain sensitivity syndrome. God, that's crazy. Okay. And and so I'll say, well, well, what we have to do is you've got a natural pain reliever secreted by your adrenals that's 40 times more powerful than street heroin. So we initiate that, and you're going to be fine. So we get them on high-dose fish oils. We get them on juicing and blending, which right. is going to start to clean the arteries so they can have an anti-inflammatory effect in the body. So that's going to have less pain. We're going to hydrate the disc. That's going to have less pain. Then we teach them how to sleep correctly because their sleep patterns are screwed up. Oh they can't re regenerate healing. Do you go into the blue light piece and the melatonin? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And it, you know, you're talking within five days, okay, they're getting REM state of sleep. Wow. sleeping through the night, not getting up to pee or anything else. Then we do a neurolinguistic program to reprogram their mind. Wow, cool. Because um, you've got to deal with the three stressors, physical, chemical, and emotional. I mean, the structural realignment is going to take care of the physical and chemical. The sleep takes care of physical, chemical, and emotional. The emotional rewiring of that brain is essential to change emotions. And emotions are chemicals secreted by how the brain perceives the environment. Right, and right, okay. It, it's like when I talk to somebody on, on, you know, who's addicted to pain drugs, which is probably about three-quarters of the people coming in, I'll say, look, if I showed you a picture of a puppy... And you thought, oh, my God, he's going to crap on my furniture. He's going to chew up my shoes. You're going to secrete adrenaline stress hormones. If I showed you the same picture and you said, oh, God, I'm going to cuddle with him. Dopamine and serotonin. So same exact stimulus, two totally different chemicals that your body is going to respond on a cellular basis to. So if there's a way to rewire the brain, and there is, the subconscious is programmed through repetition, bam. You've got that wow. going. So you deal with all three of those, you're fine. It's it's cruel. It's cruel to think that some medical doctors or, or healthcare professionals are gonna say, Okay, yeah, man, give it up. You know, take this methadone to get to get off of, of stronger drugs. Yeah. That that person has still got the physical stress that pushed them into it or the chemical stressors. They're not given the tools on how to sleep. Those guys need to be beat with a stick. Right, but I think right. that's illegal in California. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. So that, yeah, I, I really, I appreciate that the mental state around that and the NLP piece. That's really interesting. I didn't know that you guys were, were into that um, because whatever you believe ends up becoming reality. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like you are, you see what you believe, you believe what you see. It's like the Wayne Dyer stuff he used to talk about a long time ago. And uh, that's definitely been true for me too. And I, I like the example of your perception of a situation it's like you have the same neutral situation, right? It's like you get a parking ticket and you get that fight or flight, that anger, that resentment, the stress. Oh, I'm such an idiot, the self-condemnation. Or you get the parking ticket in the same situation and you have built a mindset that says, oh, someone put a piece of paper on my windshield. That's cute. <laughs> yeah, It's the same event. <laughs> it's just the perception. And surrendering one's right to complain about it is actually healthier so that's why i always tell like buddies of mine and, and this didn't happen overnight i worked on this for a long time but with the parking ticket thing for example 
oh, what's up? Oh, man, I'm so pissed. I just got a parking ticket. The city, man, these assholes, blah, blah, blah. They put meters everywhere or whatever. You can't even read the signs. And I'm like, listen, you could either pay the 60 bucks and have the best day ever and be so happy. <laughs> or you can pay the 60 bucks and have the shittiest day of your life. It's all in your mind, you know? It and is. that's, of course, easy to say when you're not the one getting the ticket or having the pain or whatever it is. But I really, really firmly believe in the power of the mind and your perception. Okay, so so the emotions are these actually just chemical reactions going Absolutely. on based on your perception. Yep. Okay, now what about the physical addiction component. So say you get someone sorted out to the point where they're actually not in much pain anymore, mm -hmm. but they still have like, they need to go detox in like a medical clinic or something like that. Like how do people actually get off things like opiates that are horribly physically addicted? Uh, typically you got to heal the gut. High dose fish oil uh, or high dose omega threes helps heal the brain. Uh, and, and literally it starts to go away. The body secretes its own. Once you restore function to the adrenal glands, realize the adrenals make every glucocorticosteroid, metacorticosteroid, sex hormone, pain reliever, everything that you could possibly need. And it produces it out of cholesterol produced by the liver. Okay, so then you got to ultimately, well, where does the liver get the cholesterol? Oh, it gets it from the blood, produces it from the food and nutrients. So you heal the gut, get the liver function back up, get the adrenal glands working right. So you fix all of the hormones, decrease the systemic inflammatory response, and the body really can get off of it. Right, and then it's a matter of just weaning down the dose over a period of time. Maybe. Yeah, and, yeah, and as you slowly reduce... The synthetic opiates are the the external ones. Yeah. Okay. Then your internal ones, endogenous pharmacotherapy, it's called. You know where your body creates the own drugs that your body right. needs. There's also you. <laughs> there's also psychedelics that your body produces. I do a lot of Kundalini yoga and the Wim Hof method and things like that. There's breathing techniques you can do that feel like you're on acid. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, it's like your body does have an astonishing number of different chemicals that it. What do you call it? Endogenous. Endogenous pharmacotherapy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's drugs that your body makes in just the right dosage and everything else. You know, and then how can you take care of you know produce some of those own. Movement, right. so exercise can also produce it. Right. You know, it's... So this is like the runner's high or like weightlifter's high. It's now time for a very brief intermission. I'd like to remind you to go to lukestory.com and sign up for my newsletter. You can find it right on the homepage. It says, join the tribe. You enter your name and email, then something magical happens. Each and every week, I send you an update with all of the podcast releases and video releases that I've done that week, in addition to all of the live clickable links and all of the show notes from every single episode. So in this episode, I'm sure you've heard or are going to hear tons of links that you want to further research. Well, all of those and every guest in information and bio and all the information from each episode is in the newsletter. So you go to lukestory.com and sign up for that on the homepage. And now back to our interview. And something I've that I want to run by you that I've used for pain a lot, two different things. One is hot and cold therapy. So infrared saunas, ice baths, and cryotherapy. And just doing, I do one of those at, at least once a day. Uh, sometimes both. Like my favorite is alternating between the two. So what do you think about hot and cold in terms of pain relief specifically? Pain relief on, on anything. Find the cause first. Okay. okay. So that's and, still and treating the it. symptom. Like, still oh, the symptom. God, I've got the sore sacrum is locked up and it hurts or whatever. I'll yeah. take a sauna. It's like, oh, I get relief, but it's going to come back because I haven't been 
yeah, it, address the cause. Yeah, like let's say you have uh, back pain. Is that coming from an unstable pelvis? Is it coming from flattening the foot? 50% of low back issues are from the neck. So uh, get a thorough assessment of where the heck the problem is. Right. And then you fix the three stressors. And aside from that, what about those things as an adjunct to other therapies? I mean, are you a fan of ice baths or cryotherapy or things that help with the inflammation? Absolutely. Like in chronic disease, fibromyalgia, cancers, things like that, phenomenal to increase metabolism, increases detoxing, anything that helps the body's natural processes, uh, helps the body recover from any lack of ease. Right, oh, wait, wait. How do they say lack of ease? Lack in of ease? 2007. Dis- Disease. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> yeah. thanks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting I'm in the dark ages. You know, uh, I, <laughs> another, uh, speaking of the chemicals and endogenous pharmacopoeia or whatever. Pharmacotherapy. Pharmacotherapy, yeah. okay. Another thing that I use, it's called a, a sleep induction mat. It's made by Bulletproof and uh, Dave Asprey, you know, has a number of different products. And it's used for sleep. And so it's like it's called it's like a bed of nails, like these little plastic discs that are spiked, <laughs> right? And you lay on this mat, and then another company called Bed of Nails actually make a pillow, and it goes under your neck, and it is sharp enough to really hurt, but dull enough to not cut you. So you won't bleed laying on it unless someone got on top of you maybe and smashed you around a little bit. But if you just lay on it on a, you know a carpeted floor like this, it's very uncomfortable. But if you sort of relax and surrender into it, what happens is you get this incredible sort of relaxation and parasympathetic response and this really like dopamine it's like a high and you just get really relaxed and it knocks you out it's like the best it's a sleep induction mat so have you heard of anything like that in terms of acupressure acupuncture as being a good add-on to treatment everything everything that stimulates the healthy normal body responses all the time i mean we recommend grounding mats right you know grounding sheets because if you have skin on earth contact it actually has an antioxidant effect. And since your body goes through what's called an oxidative process or inflammation all the time, I mean, you're killing a billion cells a day. You're destroying a billion cells a day. That's called oxidation. oxidation, Through oxidation. Now, the problem with oxidation is it creates a bunch of free radicals. And these are little tiny molecules that can cause consistent damage. Now, in- Those free radicals also contribute to inflammation? They're a byproduct of the inflammation Uh, process. So inflammation is actually the body breaking down tissue. That breakdown of the tissue creates these free radicals. And if you handle those free radicals effectively, uh, your body initiates the cell healing and tissue healing and your body regenerates. It's kind of like if you boil it down, there's two types of cells. Cytokine 6s, and this is a real simplification of the process. Yeah. They're That's inflammatory good, because cells. I want to understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of the listeners probably want yeah, yeah, but you, I mean, you break yeah. it down. You got these inflammatory cells called cytokine sixes. They go in there and destroy cells. Okay, they destroy abnormal tissue. That process stimulates these builder cells called cytokine tens to heal it. So take ulcerative colitis, colitis, Crohn's disease. Okay, any one of those inflammatory bowel conditions. You've got this oxidative process going on. Now, what a real chiropractor would do is we'd get them out of the fight-or-flight state. We'd restore nerve supply to the gut. We would put moist heat on there to initiate more inflammation and more lymph flow, more, you know, more of the metabolic processes to heal the tissue. Okay, what the crazy world would do is they'd give them a non anti-inflammatory. 
which stops the healing process. Which is the healing part. Yeah, and then if that doesn't work, we're going to give you a steroid, okay, which completely eliminates the healing process. And since that's not going to work at all, we're going to give you an antibiotic because we know the other two drugs are blowing holes in the intestinal tract, creating leaky gut. So it's like you guys' dark ages mentality understand that that oxidative or inflammatory process is how the body regenerates tissue. That's crazy. Everything is backwards. Yeah, well, that, that, that goes when you on start the to, When you start to understand this stuff, it's like it's it's when you're having a nightmare and you try to scream and no sound comes out. Like that. That's why I'm so happy to have this podcast because <laughs> I get to talk to people like you and like share reality. Yeah, normal stuff. Yeah, like actual reality of like what's going on with our body right now. You know, a thousand people that are listening to this are saying. Damn, he's right. It's not alternative. Yeah. Everything else is foolish. Everything else is alternative. <laughs> it's like conventional versus organic food. It's like, no, you walk into a building and they put you under, they put you to sleep and start carving you open with a scalpel. That's actually alternative. Yeah. That's the yeah. alternative to a natural state of being. Like yep. you're not meant to be cut open by another yeah. person. It, as an emergency, it's, yeah, it's I mean, necessary. And let's say that, and let's say, because I always like to say like, listen, if right now I fall and break my leg in half or like, yeah. you know, hit my head and have a concussion, like, please take me to the hospital. Absolutely. And when I get there, you guys, if they've heard my podcast, they're like, oh, you didn't like Western medicine. Now you want help? No, please help me. <laughs> Don't hold it against me. I'm just about preventative medicine, you know? Maybe like I wouldn't have fallen and broken my knee if I had been meditating and had a <laughs> mind that was not overrun with glucose and stress and all this shit, you know? So I think you're like, you're more prone to health if you live a healthy lifestyle and then you're going to have less likelihood of ending up in the hospital, but if necessary, take me to the hospital. All right. So, so back to the back, because I really, I want to make sure that we cover a lot on the chiropractic part and the actual spine. So when I started having back problems, for example, I went and had a a number of different MRIs done and they said, Oh, you have um, bulging discs. (laughs) You have like, they show me my vertebrae. They show me on the MRI. (laughs) They say, see right there, that disc is bulging out. That's hitting a nerve that's going down into your butt cheek and radiating into your leg. And that's where it all comes from. So what we want to do is we want to cut you open with a knife and we want to fuse those vertebrae together. That was one of the things so that they just become one block of two vertebrae and just remove that disc because it's already smashed and ruined. You're never going to grow a new one. (laughs) Or we want to put like, we want to put a plastic fake disc in place of the real one that you have. So what's up with like herniated disc, bulging (sighs) discs, all of these terms, degenerative disc disease, all of these things that we typically think we need to get cut open for or just learn to live with or get on pain meds for? Can I, that was the most horrific and brilliant and description it was perfect ow yeah i mean okay. that's why i never did it i was like yeah. i'd rather suffer because this makes no sense okay here. and and i went to I'm, I'm going to beverly hills neurologist oh, yeah. i mean surgeons i'm going yeah. to the top guys yeah. that, you know like guys that serve the lakers and yeah. like legit doctors these yeah. guys are really really bright yeah and their best thing is like we'll cut you open and give you a fake spine i'm like yeah it just never made sense to me in my gut i just said don't do it luke don't do it it sounds like a quick fix it's it might and it might work and maybe for some people it does it's just like i can't do it you're talking six hundred thousand back operations per year with a 75 to 80 percent failure rate wow why does it fail Okay, here's there's there's like four different things. For one, slip disc, bulging disc, herniated disc. Yes. Okay, let's take a step back. What, what is, are those? What, what is a disc? 
Okay, yeah, yeah. I've heard okay. you talk about this. Okay. Yes, this now, is great. A, a this disc is, great. is brilliant. You know, you got a bone up here, a bone here. A disc is a ligament. In fact, it's 80 interconnecting rings of a ligament surrounding this nucleus, okay? Right. That's so a disc isn't like a solid piece of... That's what pe people like me think. It's like you have a disc in between each vertebrae. It's like a solid piece of hard cartilage. Yeah, just it's one not, piece. not even close, man. It's so beautiful. It's it's kind of kind of like fiberglass, yeah. but you've got 80 interconnecting rings of alternate structures. Wow. You can take a, a probe that's like a pen, pass it through bone, no problem. You can't beat it into a disc with a hammer. Now, a disc wow. is 70% fluid. And a disc gets most of its nutrients through a process called imbibition. It is a very poor blood supply. This is why, like, like right. if you've heard, it's better to break a bone than tear a ligament because ligaments take longer to heal. Uh, and it's true because the disc, which is a ligament, takes a terrific amount of time to heal. But it's also, remember, it has a very poor blood supply, so it gets its nutrients through movement. Uh, so okay. here's the scenario of disc damage. First, there's a trauma that locks in the muscles of the spine because those muscles that are under proprioception, they're, they're not under conscious control. Like you can't tighten the muscles that run down either side of the spine. They tighten up to protect that nervous system because that nervous system controls and coordinates every function. So if that disc is injured, then it becomes less integrous. I mean, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So the bone actually distorts to increase the surface area to stabilize an unstable segment. So slip disc, bulging disc, herniated disc, all are preceded by some type of trauma. Right. So when doctors say, well, it's just wearing out, really, what about the other segments that aren't? Okay, it's it's not wearing out. Right, okay, why would two or three discs just suddenly be going haywire when the yeah. rest of them are fine? Now, let's look at the diagnostic procedure of an MRI, which is completely false. Okay, now what happens is <laughs> when you lay a person down... Their okay, spine's going to look different. The spine's going to look different. Thank you. It's, I always thought that was retarded. I'm like, yeah, but I, like when I'm laying down, my back actually feels good. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, so don't take a picture of my spine with me laying down. That's not where I have the problems. You know, anyway, go on. They, they, well, it's true. It's because this stuff. When they first came up with the MRIs, they thought, man, look at this. You know, we're talking 80% of everybody with low back pain has a positive disc finding. Um, and on the MRI, we, got, we can justify the millions of dollars for these machines. Great. Then they thought, I got it. Let's MRI some healthy people. They found out, or people without back symptoms, they found out 80% of them had positive disc bulges too, with no symptoms. Right. So I, I heard that too. When I they, got my MRI, they're like, well, your spine's actually pretty decent. You know, most people wouldn't be bothered at all by your smashed discs or whatever. And then a lot of people like you would be hating life. I'm like, well, that, why? I'm super healthy. Yeah. It makes no sense. MRI uprights. Now, that's a totally different finding. Okay. Since they developed those in the last few years, it gives a totally different result of what the force loading is on the body. So now they're getting radical different approaches. See, one of the reasons that they're, or one of the excuses is that why operations fail at such a great rate is they're operating in the wrong area. Wow. So you said 70 or 80% uh, of 75 them? to 80% uh, back operations fail. God, I'm so and glad I didn't do it. I knew it. Well, well, they actually have a billing code called failed back surgery syndrome. It's so common. Honest to goodness. Okay. Wow. And then, well, I mean, you figured the spine's supposed to be mobile. If you fuse an area, the area above or below the surgery site have to move twice as much. So there's going to be compensatory biomechanical factors in there that right. are going to be negative. Yeah. A stress x-ray is the best way to diagnose things because that way you can see a person standing, bending, take a picture, bending, take a picture. 
But, but let's go back to the MRI. Yeah. You got a powerful magnet zipping around the body, facing all the hydrogen ions in one direction, and then the computer interprets that. Right. That's what the doctors are forgetting. A computer gets these signals and builds this beautiful little pretty picture, okay, of what it thinks the doctor wants to see according to its programming. Inflammation can distort it, positioning can distort it, so it's not accurate. And then nobody is answering the question, why? Okay, what, let's say that somebody has, you know, gotten to a traffic accident 10 years earlier. They have a reversal of the kid or, or the head's been thrown forward. Okay, and then they have a sedentary lifestyle where they're sitting at a desk or a computer. Sitting in the desk increases the pressure five times normal in the L5-S1 disc. Forward head carriage is going to also increase the pressure. You're making me fix my posture <laughs> as we sit here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, my head's like, so, like so, so when you, when you look at these factors... Somebody says, yeah, I've got back pain, and now it's affecting my prostate and bladder health. Oh, let's do an MRI. They're going to operate on the disc, but they're not going to look at the reverse curve in the neck, the lateral deviation of the thoracic area, the sedentary lifestyle, flattening of the feet that's going to alter the gait that's a contributory factor. To identify a slip disc, bulging disc, herniated disc, you've got to do a complete from nose to toes to find out why that disc was injured and if there's some type of... It Maybe it's other things that are contributing to it. Would you say that if someone has been diagnosed as having bulging discs, that if their spine is adjusted the right way, the right number of times, that those discs can regenerate and become new again? Oh, yeah. By nature. Yeah, I could show you hundreds, thousands of x-rays. Wow. Yeah, we do pre and post x-rays to document the structural changes. It's so crazy because people think because you can't get blood flow in there that you're just screwed. Like if your disc is broken, quote unquote, which is really what you said, 75 layers of Hmm. this little 80 interconnecting rings. 80 interconnecting rings that like once that's toast, you're just done. Uh, had like, why do people still think that? That's so annoying. It, it, it's, like, is it because there's a lot of money in getting? I mean, MRIs are like if you pay out of pocket, they're like eight, ten grand. I mean, is it? Is it? How much of it leads back to money? Because there's a lot of money in surgery. There's a lot of money in MRIs and pain meds and all this stuff. Well, a lot of industries are putting their input in the medical education. You know, the pharmaceutical, the the you know cardiovascular industry where they're doing angiograms and stents and you know the MRIs so there's a lot of industries that are investing in medical schools so these doctors getting out of medical schools think that that's the optimal technology when it's not right um, so it's not that they're bad and I always say it's like it's not that they're bad people it's just the way they've been trained you know just like you take yeah. a person that's abusive to other people and violent it's not that they're inherently bad they have a good beautiful soul just like the rest of us but their parents abused the hell out of them when they were a kid, and now they're in the prison system and living a life of violence and crime. It's sort of like that. You take, I mean, this is an exaggerated example, but you take a doctor who goes through the best med school, the best education, but it's just that they're indoctrinated into a paradigm and a belief and a thought system that's ineffective. It is. Uh, four years ago, had um, really cool, he's an orthopedic surgeon, comes to me, a reverse curve in his neck, human neck curve in the front, his curve's backwards, grade three arthritis, and his hands are going numb. So I sit down, same exact report, okay, that I give to everyone. I'm saying, look, doc, this is it. You know what we need to do? We need to regenerate the disc. And he stops me. Regenerate? <laughs> and, and I said, well, He's yeah, an orthopedic surgeon? Orthopedic surgeon. Okay. And so I had to walk him through that, okay, are the discs alive or dead? And, and he looks at me with this confused look like he'd never really thought about it. 
And I said, well, okay, doc, if they're alive, let's just assume they're alive. Because if you have dead tissue, what happens to dead tissue in the body? He says, well, macrophage activity, the inflammatory process. Will. Okay, so, so we're agreeing that they're alive. Then that means the cells have to take in nutrients, produce proteins, eliminate waste products. That's you know part of cellular metabolism that any living cell has to freaking do. Okay. Yeah, okay, good. So now if we restore the nutrients or alter the biomechanics, does that mean that the cells can change their shape and their growth pattern or rate? Yes. Doc, do you remember Wolf's Law? You know, it looks down at the ground. Okay, Wolf's Law, bones laid down where it's needed, resorb where it's not. Do you remember? That? Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and so, so what we're going to do, we're going to cause inflammation at the level of the disc, Doc. Cause inflammation? Because think of this. This is why orthopedic surgeons never see disregenerate. This is why in, in that paradigm, they think that arthritis is progressive degenerative disc disease when it's not. The primary therapy is a chemical called a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory that destroys Advil, Motrin, Aleve. It destroys the building block of cartilage. It destroys ligamentous production. This is destroying the body's ability to heal an area. Okay, so obviously, if you're going to treat everybody with degenerative disc disease or bulging disc or herniated disc, first line of therapy is a chemical that stops their body's ability to regenerate that. You're going to think in your mindset that this is degenerative disc disease. Instead, it's not degenerative disc disease. It's a stabilization factor of the body protecting the nervous system. So if you cause inflammation, you initiate cellular production and the discs regenerate. You change the force loading on it, the discs regenerate. You realign the vertebrae into the normal natural configurations. You're gonna change it. You gotta figure in the 70s, they weren't doing braces on adults. Why? They figured they're old, they're done. Then wow. somebody thought, hey, wait a second, I'll bet they're still doing the same processes. Let's start putting braces on adults. Holy moly, it's a miracle. Really? That was in the 70s. That oh, oh, that's so you, funny. You, but you never see. They just thought once it's set, you're, that's yeah, it. Yeah, and there's a lot of misconceptions, and this is one of them. I mean, being right. in the dark ages like right. we are now. To facilitate the process of that disc degeneration, now that we know that is actually a possibility, it's not some miracle of Jesus, like it just actually will happen if you allow the body, the space and the nutrients and whatever is needed for it to do it. What do you think about helping that along with something like stem cell therapy, like injecting stem cells like right into that local spot where you want to uh, regenerate a disc? Uh, kind of, except let, let's look at it a little is bit it not different. Even, is that it's overkill? not even necessary. Wow. You know, I mean, if you cut yourself, could you, you know, facilitate the healing by, you know, putting, so yeah, yeah, you could, but it's still going to heal on its own. And your body already produces stem cells. You just saved a lot of people 10 grand. Yeah, yeah. You, you, <laughs> you're not going to need it. Well, I right. mean, it, it, first, you got to fix the structural misalignment that caused it. Because right. if you know, ultimately, that disc injury came from some abnormal biomechanics, either your reverse curve in the neck, forward head posture, lateral deviation. So what if you had pelvis. some of that misalignment and then you lifted something really heavy and you were in a weird position and you feel this click or this snap and then, ah, the shooting pain and there goes like a slipped disc or you bulged a disc. Yeah, and none of that's true. Wow. Yeah, like uh, we'll get a lot of people, um, and you even see this on the medical sites and it's funnier than heck. I reach around, I bent, I pick up my briefcase. Oh, I got this massive stabbing pain. Yeah. I herniated a disc. No, to be aware of a, of a disc injury, 90% of it's got to be crushed. So you're like 80, 85% crushed. All of a sudden, dehydration, stress, something, you pushed it beyond it, bam, you get awareness of it.
Wow. Wow. So it's not just like you have a health, totally 100% healthy disc. You grab your briefcase, twist weird, and you smash the disc into ob- oblivion. It's impossible. It, it's it's kind of wow. it's kind of like because you said you can't even drive a nail into a disc. It's so oh, the the, dense. the probe is so. I mean, a probe kind of looks yeah. like a thin pencil. You can't pass it, and you can't even beat it in with a hammer. It's the discs are that tough. So lifting up your twenty five pound baby is not going to cause a disc to become obliterated and just smash. It's impossible. Okay, that's cool. Okay, this is so good. This is so good. Well, the the Surgeon General a few years ago, and it was funnier in hell. I was in. Um, I think I was teaching anatomy at the time, and C. Everett Coop, okay, Surgeon General, okay, so he's really top doc, smart doc, right? Yeah. Okay, Surgeon General of America. He's dancing at his daughter's wedding, and he says that he strained a muscle in his neck, and he couldn't move it. No, moving your head in a normal position, it's impossible to strain a muscle, Okay. What can happen is you can irritate a disc that'll increase the tone of the muscles around. So he actually had a disc injury, okay, that was aggravated by the dancing and movement. And I was screaming at my students. I'm going, this is supposed to be the top doc, and he's completely ignorant about postural and phasic muscles. We're going to do a test on this. So, <laughs> so I explained what the difference between postural and phasic muscles are, how a muscle can't just be strained by moving it. You know, maybe if you're putting bricks on your head and you're throwing bricks with your neck, you can do it. But Right. Yeah. So this is a case for preventative care then, too. It's like you oh, yeah. might be walking around thinking you're great because you don't have disc pain or lower back pain or whatever and you're just living your life and then you grab the briefcase you grab the baby the heavy table whatever and ah you think oh i i heard just herniated a disc when in fact it's just been something that's been going on over time or even other stresses you're saying like to the nervous system emotional stress you could so could one go through a really difficult time in their life per se a divorce the death of a loved one uh, some type of severe trauma or abuse or violence and then have that actually be reflected in the health of their spine and then subsequently have an injury happen. Absolutely. So it's sort of like a cascade effect of a number of different influences that lead to what is, appears to be subjectively to that person as one incident causing a herniated disc or a bulging disc or whatever. That will get people in on a wellness exam. And I'll, I'll say, okay, take off your shoes. And I'll look at their their feet, because you got to start checking everything. Let's say they have flattening of the feet, beginning bunion formation, and, you know, they're 28 to 35-year-old girl, okay? Instantly, you go bunion formation. Okay, that means that the nerves that come out of the top of the pelvis are compromised, so the foot is flattening out. If that sacrum is compromised as well, difficult menstrual cycles, bowel and bladder control issues, anxiety and stress because of low serotonin production. So now we're looking at a sympathetic dominant state. Oh, cold hands too? Okay, yeah. Well, then that means that the adrenals are firing off and the thyroid's going to be suppressed. Okay, how are your sleep patterns at night? Oh, you know, I'm fine, but I get up three times a night to pee. In all of this, I'm looking (laughs) at the feet and I'm going, well, yeah, but they came in for wellness. Right, right. And they think, because the society is so sick now, they think that difficult menstrual cycles are normal, that's getting up three or four this times. This drives to sleep me crazy. Normal. I talk to women all the time, and they're like, oh, you know, I have to take nine days off a month because I'm in bed, like keeled over with this pain, and I want to kill my husband, and I have this bleeding, like a, you know, someone that's just been a, a you know, like a, a casualty of war, you know, and I'm like, yep. I go, you realize it doesn't have to be that way. Like there's things, I mean, even aside from chiropractic care, I mean, I just know there's five herbs you can take that like 
we'll take care of that, you know. But you're so right. People have become so used to dysfunction that they actually can't even imagine a world where the body functions as it's meant. I mean, would women have survived, you know, all of these years if the menstrual cycle was meant to be like that? It's it's too cruel. God would never make that happen. Childbirth yeah. has got to be a bitch enough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's just let them experience that two or three times in a lifetime and live through that. But every month, I mean, it's just like, it's... It's they, mind-boggling. They now have an autistic kid on Sesame Street to make it seem more mainstream. Are you serious? It's mind-boggling. Oh. Outside, outside of my gym when I'm coming out, there's a pediatric physical therapy unit. That brings me back to another question. And this goes to like the fear of being adjusted by a chiropractor. What's the youngest human being you've ever adjusted? Uh, first day. First day? Yeah. yeah. And that's, <laughs> oh, my God. And that's, that's pretty much consistent with, with how human being should be because we're just checking the nervous system uh, the right. birth in this country we are 77th in infant mortality rate that means we kill more kids than anyone you have 18 per thousand births uh, the person is traumatized it's safer according to the world health organization to give birth in el salvador or croatia than in america so these kids if they've had a hospital birth, the mom was given Pitocin, which initiates massive contractions, damaging the kid. By God, the dad looks at the birth process, check my baby. So we're going to, the kid's colic will go away, ear infections, breathing issues, they'll start to suckle really good. Because if they've had a trauma on the neck, and let's say C-section, that's four times the amount of pressure on a kid's neck. And we're up to like 50% C-section really? rates in some areas of this country. So a C-section is, is not only more traumatic for the mother's body, but the infant as well? Way more. Wow, I didn't know that. Both way my more. brothers were C-section. Yeah, and well, I mean, that's why C-section, we're talking ear infections because of upper cervical subluxations or pressure on the nerve causing a dysfunction of the soft palate so they're really having ear effusions. We get kids with behavioral issues in here all the time. And I'll say, okay, hospital birth, you know, Pitocin, epidural, fully vaccinated, the kid's done. Wow. We got a one in two children today with a chronic illness or disease. That This has never been done to a species before. Think about where a species is going too, man. Let's pay that forward two or three generations of oh. one and two kids, then yeah. having kids, and then their kids going off and having kids. I mean, we're like on the road to extinction yeah. <laughs> based oh, yeah. on these statistics. Not to be, you know, doomsday, but that's why I have a show like this and talk to people like you. And that's why, obviously, your life's passion and mission is to spread this information. So that maybe a parent today hears that and is like, oh, shit, maybe I should really look into a home birth or more natural birth yeah. and produce an offspring that has a shot. That isn't vaccinated. Or just look at other countries. not so much. If we're doing double to triple the vaccines, other countries are doing a third of the vaccines, and they don't have outbreaks of, you know, measles, chickenpox, mumps, diphtheria. Perhaps we should scale back. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) You think? You know? Um, Okay, I want to get back to the to adjusting. So, so you've done one day old infants. How does the adjustment work on a little supple, tiny little body like it's, that? It's really cool. I mean, do you just touch them with your pinky? Mm-hmm. Pretty you know, much, basically. You you go down, okay, and check for areas of increased sensitivity. They'll like giggle or things, and you could feel the heat or sensitivity or or increased muscle tone. And I'll typically grab the mom's hand. And I'll go right here. Okay, and we're just going to apply a little. And it's just a, a gentle vibratory motion like that. No more than half a pound of pressure. And then instantly the muscle spasms will relax. And I'll go there. 
we just fix the kid. Wow. And then I'll show them, I call it the off button. Uh, but when you're holding the child, your hand comes down and grabs the sacrum and you just gently pull and that's going to elongate the spine. It's going to help with the parasympathetic. And I tell the mom, I said, you know, if they're having fussy tummy days or something, they'll fart or poop right in your hand. Wow, because they relax. They relax. Because wow. you're, you're stimulating the parasympathetic Which I'm like celebrating system. that. It doesn't sound that awesome now that I think about oh, it. But oh, I'm telling you, the, <laughs> when you're a parent, your kid's screaming, that right. kid farts or poops. It's like, thank God. Right. You know, now you can put the kid away. All right. What about, what's the oldest person you've ever adjusted? Uh, 99. Wow. Okay. So yeah. you almost, you've almost broken 100. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. typically the 100-year-old patients, I probably will have the most 100-year-old patients of any doctor. Because wow. we've got about, oh, probably 100 people in their late 80s. And so in terms of people's fears, again, of adjustments, what's the <laughs> likelihood of someone being becoming more injured by having a chiropractic adjustment? There's actually a good statistic on that, and I put it on our entrance form. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, it's about 1 in 5.8 million adjustments you're going to get injured, which is about 1 in every 47 chiropractic careers. Okay, that there may be an injury associated, not death. We're talking any kind of an injury. And this was based on, you know, 20 years of data through all the different chiropractic colleges. You have about a 1 in 6,000 chance of getting struck by lightning. You have about a 1 in 1,200 chance of getting injured by a Tylenol. Okay, so we're talking 1,000 times greater risk of getting struck by lightning than injured by a chiropractor. Wow. So that's impressive. Yeah. And, and what's, what's wild is they're doing a study now in India on strokes and how chiropractic adjustments are essential to recover from strokes. Why? Because the strokes are a damaged area of the brain and we're working with the nervous system or sensory input into the brain to get that brain to rewire around damaged areas. Wow. That's amazing. So thank you for dispelling that particular myth. Yeah. it's. What do you do when you've got someone who's already in excruciating pain where they come in in a walker or they're being assisted or a wheelchair. How do you adjust someone who's in that acute pain having to flare up during that moment? You're, you're talking about a third of our patients. Wow. Uh, like we started this discussion at around noon. Yeah. We'd already seen 135 people. Okay. Today. So about a third of those are in absolute agony and probably 10% are in wheelchairs. Wow. So wow. we're talking very, very damaged people. And some people like the quadriplegics, um, we may have to, like particularly the ones that are on the breathing tubes and feeding tubes, we have to adjust them in the chair. Okay. And there's certain upper cervical techniques that we could do. We'll also adjust the feet to stimulate an autonomic response or to change. So the adjustment is based on their current condition and it's going to be custom oh. relative to their ability to move and all that. It Everyone's is. I mean, we have the x-rays. Like when I'm adjusting you, I have your x-rays up. So I know exactly the segment, exactly the line of drive. And then if we have done, you know, pre and post x-rays on you, I've seen your progress. I can see what's being corrected and what's not. Particularly when we're seeing like S-shape or C-shape curves. Yeah, it's really fun because each person is individual. Right. 
That's awesome. Okay, cool. Wow, a lot of really good stuff. Okay, so I want to switch gears here because I think we've really, we've only got a few minutes left and I think we've really covered a lot of the back stuff, which is like, you know, the I'm, I, th- I have a feeling if you're willing, I'm going to do a lot of interviews with you because you're oh, very yeah. knowledgeable. And you, I mean, like we, you know, we there's arthritis, there's high blood pressure, there's depression, all kinds of things that you know a lot about, um, which I want to cover in later episodes. But something I did want to cover today because it's something you have a book about, you've done a lot of lecturing about, and that is fibromyalgia. I know people that have it. I know people that have other issues like Lyme disease and things like that. So these big ones are ones I really want to hit because Mm -hmm. these are the ones that typically Western medicine has, I don't want to swear too much on my show, but they have zero fucking clue about like no one even knows what fibro is here. I don't, take I this. I don't think clue is a curse word. Take, take. <laughs> <laughs> they're like here. Take this anti-seizure medicine called Lyrica or something. It's uh-huh. like, um, really? That's like that's the best we've got. There's got to be something. So, what's the deal with uh, fibromyalgia? The most frustrating thing with fibromyalgia, Lyme disease. All of these, that there's not really a definitive diagnosis. I mean, fibromyalgia. It's like chronic fatigue, too. There's these things that are very ambiguous. My mom, I'm sorry to kick off, but my yeah. mom's had Lyme disease for God, like 15 years. It just decimated her life. You know, it's just the saddest thing ever. And it took her five years of battling the medical system to even get diagnosed with Lyme disease. They did. They thought it was chronic fatigue, this, that. And it's like, who even knows if it really is Lyme at the end of the day? It's like... Is that even really a thing, you know? So it's just, it's so frustrating, I'm sure, for not only for the people that are affected, but their loved ones that are like, God, why can't anyone give us answers? So carry on. The most frustrating thing with fibromyalgia is the symptoms are absolutely real. It's devastating. It destroys lives. But to treat the symptoms is beyond foolish and not effective. Okay, you go in, you fix the things that are wrong. You fix, and it's going to sound oversimplified, and I don't want to make it sound that way. You find the physical stressors, the chemical stressors, and the emotional stressors, and the person recovers in 30 days or less. Okay, the physical stressors, you got to do a complete assessment of the spine and nervous system. That person had some trauma. Now, if they've been um, in their 20s in this American system now that we have, know that they've had about 60 doses of different vaccines injected in them. If they've had bladder, bowel, or other infections, they've had doses of antibiotics. So there's going to be a fungal or mold issue. They're going to have a leaky gut. They're going to have poor sleep patterns. They're going to have difficult menstrual cycles, unstable pelvises, flattening of the feet. They're going to have skin discolorations. They're going to have all of that. But you don't treat those. You go back and just look at the physical stressors, assess the spine correctly, look at the chemical stressors, change their diet, nutrition, clean the blood, make sure you get rid of the fungal infections by giving them root vegetable juices, give them lots of natural anti-inflammatories like omega-3s, heal the brain, get them on neuro-linguistic programming, change their sleep patterns, and the body heals itself correctly. What are some of the things in terms of of fiber? And I guess these would probably apply to arthritis conditions as well. What are some of the worst things that people do to make the problem worse in terms of diet and lifestyle? Like if you had Lyme or fibro or um, even an autoimmune thing or arthritis, like what are the worst offenders that someone could at least start on their own that they might be ignorant of? The worst offenders is laying on their back with a pillow underneath their knees. Okay, that's the worst. Okay. Okay, this has been suggested by most physical therapists, I'm sure every medical doctor, because it lifts the legs up and takes all the pressure off of the lumbar spine and makes it feel better. However, 
The discs in the lumbar are shaped in a wedge where they're narrow at the back, wide at the front. If you lay on your back with your legs up, you're reversing the discs. You're opening up the holes where the nerves come out called the IVFs. And that, so it feels good. However, you go to stand up, man, you're firing off all those nerves in a negative, and you're destabilizing the pelvis. So sleeping on your back with the legs bent or with a pillow underneath is suicide. Okay, the other is inconsistent sleep patterns or poor nutrition. Okay, so you've got to get a diet like a ketogenic vegan diet would be ideal, but you've got to get the animal-based omega-3s would be ideal. Okay. If you're a vegetarian or something, you're going to have to do a huge amount of fresh chia seeds or flax seeds or or hemp seeds in order to get the omega-3s in there. But that comes in an ALA form and your body needs enzymes to break it down. You got to heal the gut. Okay, people are not getting healthy bacteria in the gut. They're taking probiotics, but then the food is devoid of bacteria. So you got to get lots of fermented uh, veggies and heal that gut. Because a lot of people, they're taking um, sugar-free diets or you know, fat-free diets or, you know, God knows you got to get fat-free diet. To me, that's like this, the long-term suicide diet. <laughs> like, Oh, it is. So it crazy. is. Yeah. Cause I was around, you know, I'm 46. I was around in the eighties. Like everything was no fat, low fat. And we thought that was good because then you wouldn't get fat, you know, and come to find out like, if you don't eat yeah. fat, you're going to have a very unhealthy life. Not good for you. The right fats, of course. Yeah. So healing the gut, heal the gut, heal the sleep. Um, what about in what's your take on inflammatory foods like um, grains, bread, gluten, donuts, yeah. sugar, alcohol? That's like out that. of there. Yeah, you can't take it. Uh, the worst thing is any grain that's not organic has been slowed with glyphosates now, and that's the Roundup. And that what that does, it's a mineral chelator. So it's sucking the minerals out of your body so you can't utilize the vitamins. It's going to, uh, it's a natural antibiotic, so it blows holes in the intestinal tract. And in the intestinal tract, that's where 80% of your immune system is. That's where serotonin is. So if you have an unhealthy gut, you're talking mood fluctuations and anxiety. And I got to tell you, if you're young, healthy, or young, and you're supposed to be healthy, and you're diagnosed with a lifelong illness, okay, of fibromyalgia, it's devastating. Like, like um, two weeks ago, we got this 10-year-old kid in from Kuwait with reflex sympathetic dystrophy syndrome, which is a, a, a ridiculous diagnosis because we can fix that in, you know, about two weeks, okay? And it was brought on by vaccine damage and stupid therapies. She comes in on crutches two weeks later, you know, she's fine. She doesn't have any symptoms. So I told her, I said, and this is when she first came in, I said, honey, you don't have reflex sympathetic dystrophy. You have BDS. She said, what's BDS? I said, well, hon, you know, it could be almost fatal. So, well, what is it? It's bad doctor syndrome. <laughs> yeah, and crazy. so now it's a, it's a running joke between us and her that, you know, she, she stopped going to the doctor because he kept on saying that you're right. You don't have any symptoms, but you have this disease. And she says, no, this is BDS. She told him that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I've met so many people that have fired their doctor. And again, you know, nothing against doctors. I'm sure a lot of doctors listen to the show, hopefully. But um, bad medicine is bad medicine. It is. So, dude, I want to thank you so much. I know we're out of time. I want Buddy, to this has been so much fun. Yeah, yeah, I want to thank you for just your contribution to the world and to people and your practice here. I mean, there's lines out the door, people from all over the world. Like I said, you can't even get an appointment. You're doing something right here, and you're helping so many people. I want to encourage people to go to your YouTube channel, watch your videos, which are amazing. Uh, where else can people find you in your work? Um, I speak all over the place. 
You want me to get? I'll go anywhere. Although this year I think I'm booked up until January. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. But okay, and then what's your website? Uh, DrJohnBergman.com. Okay, cool. And it's, it's neat because it's a free site, and we've got a disease database that's a blast. I've, I've spent a lot of time on awesome, it. Awesome, man. Great, great resource. Okay, then the final question is, so you've taught me tons today. You've taught our audience tons on all these different mediums that we're broadcasting this on. What have been three powerful teachings or teachers to you in your life? Could be a book, a person, a philosophy, anything. Probably Dr. Carl Cleveland II. He was my philosophy teacher, and his grandma was uh, Lillian Ashworth, who was one of the first chiropractors. He said that it's fun to get sick people well, and the body is self-healing and self-regulating, and disease doesn't exist. And I thought that was, because all those things just hurt my paradigm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have two more? Probably Dr. William Jacobson. Who's Jake, and he was just one of the most brilliant master uh, chiropractors ever who freaked me out a lot. He could tell across the room if there was somebody that was injured, and i go up and check. And um, it probably Winston Churchill. Oh, never, awesome. Never, never. Get <laughs> That's funny. I was just listening to an audio book by Dr. David R. Hawkins this morning, and he was talking about Churchill. Yeah, I As I was like brushing my teeth this morning. That's crazy. I love that. I've, I've got Churchill right over my desk. That's awesome, man. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, man. man. It's been so much fun. Yeah, you too. We'll have to do it again because, you know, you see my notebook. Full. I mean, it's like we, we covered a quarter of it, but we got a lot in today, so I appreciate your time. You guys on Facebook Live, thank you for watching. You guys on Instagram Live, thank you. And that camera over there is on YouTube. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you again real soon. Thanks, man. That was fun. I don't know about you, but my back is feeling better already. I'm like totally on board with this. I've been to Dr. John before for treatment um, periodically. He's a little bit far from where I live, but I think I'm definitely going to get engaged in his whole program. It's um, it's a little bit of an investment of time and money, but I'm, I'm pretty convinced that he might be able to actually help solve, cure my back issue for once and for all, because I've had this thing for about 15 years. I know tons of you have written me recommendations on Instagram and through the website, and I've researched them all, trust me, and I really appreciate the, the feedback. But I definitely uh, think that John's on to something here. So thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you got some useful information out of this. And I want to remind you, as always, please share this episode with someone. That's really like the easiest way that you can give back to the show and to our guests who, of course, come on and do all of this for free. But more than anything, really just thank you for listening. Uh, we just passed our year anniversary last week with the Neil Strauss episode. So if you missed that, I'd like to encourage you to go back because that was quite a doozy. And uh, lastly, let's invite you to come back for number 70 next Tuesday with Aaron Alexander, where we talk about natural movement and tons of biohacking stuff. It's a really cool episode. So to make sure that you don't miss any information, let's remind you to go to lukestory.com and sign up for my newsletter so I can notify you and send you all the show notes for every single episode that I put out. Okay, that's it. Peace out. Thank you so much for listening.